hours since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion. To which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because because they they anchor us in something something which can can hold us, us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere we exist to join god's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere we hope you enjoy this week's teaching we hope you enjoy this week's teaching we hope you enjoy this week's teaching Good morning, Genesis. I'm reading James, first chapter, verses 17 through 27. And James writes, he says, Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now, you must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness, and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is simply this, to care for orphans in their distress, to care for widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the word, by the world, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Mitch. Uh, Good morning, everyone. My name is Betsy. Um, I've been a part... (laughs) I've been a part of Genesis since it started, and it means a lot to be part of the teaching team while Weens is on sabbatical. Um, Preparing for today also meant that I had to spend some time thinking about all of us as a community, what we've been through together this year, and I had a chance to think of some of you, and that was really, really special, so thank you. I think it's helpful as we um, get into the text today to talk a little bit about my background. I have spent my life's work studying the body. My work as a physical therapist studies how the body moves in health as well as in trauma and how our bodies best adapt to move in their environment. I get to spend time with patients, teaching them how to learn how their bodies were impacted by the pain that they experienced and how to best move and heal and return to the activities that give them life. And as a dance teacher, I get to train young bodies 
to move with rhythm and precision so that they can thrive on stage and in competition. I grew up playing sports and dancing, and I've spent decades training my body to move quickly, lift heavy, change shape to reach an end result. At its best, my body feels most alive when I'm in motion. And from a young age, I learned that what my body could do is also something that could be trained, ranked, scored, and manipulated for an end goal. That oftentimes, I was at odds, and still am, with my body. And somehow it wasn't until I was preparing for my message today that I realized that the work of the human body is how I've invested my life. I hadn't made the connection between working in and working with bodies and how my body matters in the world. And I guess I've kind of always separated my body from my mind and my spirit. Maybe that's something that resonates with you. It's as if my body and what it does is in one little package over here. And my mind and my intellect and my school smarts are in their own little package over here. And my spirit, my Sunday school answers, spiritual prayer life is over here. They're all parts of me, but they don't often interact with each other. I wonder how that happens and why it matters. And that's something I'd like to wonder together today. So before I pray and we enter the text, I would like to practice checking in with my body. And I'd like you to check in with you as well. So let's take a deep breath together. Close your eyes if you'd like. Deep inhale if you're able. And exhale. And go ahead and check in with your body, just for a moment. Are you able to feel your feet on the ground if you're here in the sanctuary or you're at home? or you're listening to this on the podcast. Can you feel your hips on the seat underneath you? Does it feel supportive? Can you feel the palms of your hands? What feels good in your body right now? Maybe you're feeling pain somewhere. Maybe you don't feel anything at all. Just notice, no judgment, just you and your body. God, thank you for creating us, body, mind, and spirit. All right, so you can come back to the room, maybe introduce a little bit of movement, take a deep breath, roll your shoulders, wiggle in your seat. So I'll play. When you think of the body as it relates to the text today or your experience in the church in general, what comes to mind? Now, with an all play, it's for us to wonder together so you're not just listening to me speak. So, either enter it in the chat or say it out loud here in the sanctuary. When you think of the body as it relates to the text or the church in general, what comes to mind? Kristen says, my family. A lot of movement or no movement, yeah. Modesty and youth group, Modesty and youth group. yes. T-shirts at the swimming pool. A lot of waiting. Okay, yeah. Super 
the body is corrupt or inhibiting from God. Yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah, siloed. That's good. Yep. Physical and tangible. Body is often associated with sin and flesh. It's a temple. No tattoos. On my foot. All right. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the book of James emphasizes a life of faith and action. Will had said that too, that verse 22 says to be doers of the word, not just hearers. Chapter 2 of the book of James says that faith without action is dead. A faith that's not practiced is worthless. That's kind of a theme that runs throughout the book. Our bodies matter to the work of doing faith. Your body matters. And in order to participate in our faith, our incredible bodies are necessary and deserve to be welcomed. And my message today comes with some qualifiers. My body is a white, cisgender, middle-class female giving this message from a posture of privilege in society. As a woman who's experienced loss and chronic pain and illness in my body, I've had the resources to manage my pain and help me heal. I've had the resources, and systems in society make it incredibly challenging for some to access proper health care and mental health care. And if we're talking about the value of the body, I think that's really important to acknowledge. I also want to say that talking about the body might be difficult for some people who have experienced complex trauma in their bodies. It may bring up sensations or emotions. And while my hope with this message today is to let you know that your body and all that it has been through is so valued and so beloved, you have permission, if this message feels like too much, to pause, check out, re-listen later with safe supports, and do what you need. When we recognize that our bodies matter and that your body matters to you, and collectively our bodies have incredible value, we will see and interact with the world around us differently. Considering James's invitation to be doers of the word, it makes me think of this concept of embodiment. That is the subjective experience felt in the body and how we then interact with our surroundings. If I were to phrase that in a question, I would say, what was your experience and how did that experience cause you to interact with the world? In my experience growing up in the church, I was told that I was chosen. I was set apart from the things of this world. That being chosen meant I had a unique purpose and a special responsibility. My body belongs to God, my creator. It is not my own. A little later on in the story, I was told that my body was a temptation to others, that my flesh was sinful, that it was my responsibility to manage my body and control how it looked so as to not be that temptation, to take every thought captive and make it obedient. And while I believe that those teachings came from good intent, as a young Christian with a desire to follow Jesus, the impact of those lessons meant that I worked really hard to put them into practice. It was as if with each of those lessons, I was pulled apart from myself just a little bit. I hid my body from my mind, and then my mind from my thoughts, and my thoughts from my body and my spirit. And any time our story causes us to exile who we are, we become disembodied. 
And sometimes when we encounter a situation that pulls us apart from ourselves, there's repair that can happen quickly. Perhaps we ask questions or get a better understanding of the lesson and we're able to return to our whole selves. And sometimes when the experience of trauma or disembodiment reoccurs or it's so significant, repair will take time and recovery and it will stay with us in our bodies. How much our body holds from our experience and depending on the extent to which that impacts our experience with the world around us, will separate us from being the whole self that God created us to be, mind, spirit, body. We simply aren't capable of existing as ourselves. And you could probably imagine how that could influence a community of followers of Jesus and how they exist together in the world. This concept of embodiment and therefore disembodiment is definitely more dominant in Western culture and society. And for the sake of time, I'll skip the timeline of how that came to be, but one philosopher in particular who informed this concept of embodiment said it really well. Merleau-Ponty is a French philosopher who said that not only do we have a body, but we are a body. Recently, Jamie Lee Finch, an author and embodiment expert, has written about recognizing that your body is a person. So let's try on Ponty's philosophy with this passage in James, that we are a body, not just having a body. If we see ourselves as a body, more than just spiritual thoughts and knowledge of scripture and commandments, but a living, breathing body that has real impact in our communities and society, how does that change how our practice of faith shows up in the world? When our bodies experience pain, we have some options. They aren't always conscious choices, but ways that our body sends signals to our brain that our environment is unsafe or uncomfortable. Some of what I'm sharing today is influenced by my personal clinical practice and personal therapeutic work, but also from Dr. Hilary McBride, who is an embodiment researcher and therapist from Canada. Neurologically, we can respond to trauma through a fight or flight response, a freeze response, or a fawn response that causes us to submit to the painful experience. Each of these neurologic responses activates a physical process in our body. The insular cortex in our brain takes in a felt sense of emotion or informs our body on how to respond to our environment or to the felt sense of others. What that means is that our emotions are connected to one another and our brain responds to the signals that we give it. Our body has a physical reaction to what we feel emotionally. And when we encounter pain by way of social systems or injustice, we can respond by trying to take apart the system that caused us pain, or we can find healing in a way that opens us up to curiosity. If we're able to get to that point of curiosity, that curiosity expands us in a way that allows us to participate in the healing of that broken system. The brain is the control center for movement in our body, yet for every one signal that the brain sends to the body, it's received nine from the body to the brain. When we find healing, our nervous system heals in a way that helps our body to regulate and feel safe. When we feel safe, we experience the world around us differently. And as I said, our emotions are interconnected to those around us. So when we heal, we help heal those around us, sometimes without even knowing it. I'm just in awe of how our bodies are so smart and works so hard to take care of us. Their main job is to make sure that we are safe and healthy. 
From a physical therapist's perspective, when the body experiences pain, it moves differently to adapt and protect what's painful, often without our conscious effort. And over time, if that pain isn't addressed, that compensation is incorporated into how we move. The longer those altered movement patterns are there, the longer the pain goes unaddressed, the more time it takes to undo those patterns and address the root cause of what was painful in the first place. And sometimes that even leads to other issues in the body. This portion of James talks about being doers of the faith, but it also speaks to our emotions. I'll be honest, I really wrestled with verse 20 and how it talks about anger. While anger can be terribly destructive, I'm also learning the value of acknowledging emotions and what happens in our body when a core emotion is denied or repressed. Our emotions are a part of how we take in information from our environment and they're valuable to our lived experience. I wonder how this doing of our faith looks in a body that's ignored or forgotten. Or how doing our faith in a body that's experienced physical or emotional or spiritual pain. And what could it look like to live out our faith embodied? Not ignoring the pain or discomfort that we've experienced, but integrating it into how we live our lives in faith. Verse 23 is a parable of a man who looks at himself in the mirror walks away and forgets what he looks like. I think this is a great example of disembodiment. So, another I'll play for you. Can you think of an example of maybe when that's happened in life, when you've looked at yourself in the mirror, walked away and forgot what you looked like? Type it in the chat or shout it out. Hmm when you're too busy. Guilty. Yeah. Mm. Experience of childbirth. Mm-hmm. Ongoing trauma of the pandemic. Yeah. Stress, yep, definitely changes your perception of yourself. Mm -hmm. When you're caring for others and not yourself. Yep, Rajan, thank you. Well, there's one example I'd like us to walk through together because we walked through it together as a community and on a broader scale in Minneapolis. In May of 2020, George Floyd was killed by law enforcement, and many of us witnessed the video and experienced the outrage that followed. So I want us to go back to our bodies for a minute and think back to that time. What did you feel in response to that? Seeing the video, maybe hearing that name, seeing what had happened. What sensations come up in your body when I say the name George Floyd? Are you able to name an emotion that you feel in connection with the sensation in your body? When that happened, what actions did you take in response? And know that there's no right answers here. Just notice in yourself without judgment. 
and then fast forward to a year later, or even now today. What sensations do you feel in your body when you think of that time? What emotions surface now that curfews have lifted, dust has settled a little bit? Has anything changed for you? What have you maybe forgotten or moved on from? What about that time has remained in you and caused you to continue to act? Thanks for practicing that with me. You can bring yourself back to the room. This is just one significant example of letting our bodies be a part of how we respond to acts of injustice. A collective experience like that will be felt in our bodies whether we notice it or not, and depending on how we respond, it can influence how and if we forget and move on. Listening to and remembering that our bodies can feel and inform us will hopefully lead us to action. Verse 27 at the end of our passage is a reminder to care for the orphan and the widow as part of our theology. An embodied faith practice informs us of how we are able to see those around us. It enables us to build empathy to see others and recognize their value. Embodied faith liberates us to see and experience others and moves us to act in a way that's for the benefit of all. And while it's true that there is harmful interpersonal as well as systemic and societal impact to rejecting, disowning, and separating who we are from our bodies, I think there's a lot of hope in incorporating this work of embodiment into spiritual spaces so that more of us can participate in this work of restoration. And while what I talked about today emphasize the value of our bodies, that's not to devalue the brilliance of our minds or the power of our spirit. We are made in the image of the divine, all of it. All of it good and with the potential for life. We are all created with different abilities, capabilities, and all of that matters. And for many of us who have grown up in the church, we have been taught to separate from our bodies. And from my lived experience and professional training, I think that's done the body of Christ a great disservice and impacted how we exist together in the world. And I believe that there's room and time and space for healing if we allow it. You're created by God and you are good. You are the Imago Dei, you bear the image of God. And understanding that's a journey, it's a practice. For some of us, it's going to take some time to unpack what has pulled us apart so that we can best live our lives and embody the goodness of God all around us. So before we go into the words of confession, um, I just wanted to quickly introduce the song that Josh and Elizabeth will sing during communion. This song by Josh Ritter was recommended listening from one of the commentaries on this passage. And as they play the song during communion, I'd invite you to listen to the words, pay attention to your body, and notice any felt sense or emotions that might come up. All right, I forgot. So if you want to turn into your liturgy, I will read the leader part, and you will all read the all part together. 
God, at times we've pretended to abide with you when, we really, when really we've chosen to live without you for a long time. Forgive us, oh God. God, we've walked crooked paths, we haven't done what is right, and we haven't spoken the truth from our hearts. Forgive us, oh God. God, we've slandered our enemies, we've betrayed our friends, and we've ignored our neighbors. Forgive us, oh God. God, we've despised those who have broken their promises, and we've broken our promises to you and others too. Forgive us, oh God. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.